Welcome to the Investment Clinic Live, your monthly 30-minute online chat with an investor. And now your host, Brindusa Burroughs. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Investment Clinic Live. Today, we're hosting Xavier Pierre-Luca, who's a managing partner at SEMA Funds, based in Geneva, managing partner for Europe. Uh, hi, Xavier. Hello. It's very nice to be connected uh, with you today and with everybody on the line. Thanks so much for, for joining us. Uh, my name is Brunduza Boros. I'm the founder and CEO of the Ground Up Project here in Switzerland. And we are hosting the Investment Clinic Live as part of our new product, theinvestmentclinic.com, focused on providing investor readiness services to impact entrepreneurs worldwide. Just by way of introduction, the investment clinic started because we realized that investment readiness was the number one challenge of impact ventures and that it actually narrowed investable impact deal flow considerably. A very small percentage of ventures actually that we come across are ready to be introduced to investors. And therefore, the clinic provides knowledge but also services through experts that work on a freelance basis with startups and impact ventures on their financial modeling, on their revenue models, feedback on investment teasers, anything that an impact entrepreneur needs when they enter the fundraising phase or when they prepare for the fundraising phase. And so the, the clinic lives are an opportunity to meet with investors, listen to their strategy, learn about how they select deals and what they're looking for. And if you are an impact entrepreneur looking to raise money, this is an opportunity to, to get prepared and understand what is it that you need to put in front of the investor. I was saying the investment clinic is a product of the Ground Up Project, which is a deal sourcing platform. The most important aspect of it for an entrepreneur is that the value compass is an online algorithm that helps you as an entrepreneur self-assess your investment readiness. Go through the questions and you will see what an investor expects you to, to know or to understand before you start getting in touch with them regarding your, your fundraising. And access to the value compass is free. Xavier, just to introduce you very quickly, you've got 20 years of experience. 13 of which are in the field of impact investing. And this is really remarkable. I don't think there are many people out there who can actually count that many years, especially in impact investing. Most recently, you were a chief investment officer for Bamboo Finance, is one of the largest you know, professional investors in the space. And you grew in the team up to becoming chief investment officer in 2012 did lots of investment, divestment transactions. You worked in large partnerships. Most recently, you structured a fund, the Bamboo Financial Inclusion Fund, and that was before you left for, for joining SEMA. This is really a, a remarkable trajectory. Is there anything in your sort of past that you can share that made you turn from, let's say, mainstream investment to impact investment? What, what is the thing that actually made you switch? 13 years ago? Uh, well, no, thank you, Brindusa. So it's a very nice and uh, introduction and quite sincerely, I mean, I, I'm humbled by it. I have uh, been indeed working for several years in that space, but uh, I think, you know, I, uh, th there are many people that have engaged uh, in the space of impact investing 
And it's today quite a vivid uh, factor, right? Both from the social enterprise and the investor standpoint as well. I guess most of the people like me, we have switched from mainstream finance to impact finance or sustainable finance. I've uh, done it for reasons that are linked to wanting to have an impact, uh, really. I mean, wanting to, to change the lives of people around them or further away from them in emerging economies, for, for what is my, my case, at least. The reason, you know, when you're involved in M&A or, or strategy consulting with firms like Deloitte and Senior or investment banks is uh, you don't really see actually, uh, you know, a, a result of your work to start with. And most of the times I was kind of tired of enriching rich people, <laughs> so to speak. So <laughs> I felt that maybe, maybe, maybe finance, you know, could help also resolve some of the problems of the world. And we see, you know, that uh, basically the, it's actually not that too, I mean, not difficult to structure funds, you know, that are need driven, right? Or demand driven and taking into account that there are, you know, 1.5 to 2 billion people out there globally that don't have access to basic products and services, being healthcare, education, access to energy, financial services, you name it, right? So the need is there, the demand is there as well. The question is how to structure the right business models to tackle the need and how to structure the right financing to attract investors to these sectors as well. And I think we haven't yet answered these questions. We are we are trying to. <laughs> walking every day towards that accomplishment. <laughs> I think we we definitely share the belief that finance can make an impact, and uh, especially when we work with the entrepreneurs that that come to the Ground Up Project platform or to the investment clinic, we see this very often as impact investment is from the point of view of a of an entrepreneur that wants to realize social environmental impact, the way to provide you know get the resources that they need. In order to grow. Now, I'd love to to move in because we have on the call today, we have quite a few people. A lot of entrepreneurs have signed up, also some uh, people from the investment space. Let's, let's put down a few of the basics, if you will. SEMA funds that you left to, you left Bamboo Finance to start, to, well, to move into SEMA, is focused on demand-driven commercial capital, or so you say. So, what is the scope of SEMA funds? I'm, I'm sort of switching between the questions that we see on the screen now because it's a nice continuation into what you were saying just a minute ago. But what is the scope of SEMA mm-hmm. funds and, and how should an entrepreneur prepare in order to present to you? And that's one of the questions that comes very often in what the entrepreneurs wanted to ask you today. So, yeah, definitely. In what relates to SEMA, you know, as a whole, I mean, uh, as an advisory and um, asset management company. So we are engaged in these two activities, right? Today on the asset management front, we are basically uh, managing a fund that lends to off-grid solar companies and microfinance uh, companies as well in order to further basically uh, the, the development, the outreach of uh, individual uh, access to energy solutions to the low-income and the low, lower-middle-income segments in Africa and in Asia. So we are lending to companies that are what we call off-grid solar companies and that are designing uh, these eco-solar products, the small solar lamps, but also the solar home systems as well. And we operate basically with financing throughout the value chain. 
So we finance uh, the vertically integrated companies that design, manufacture, distribute these products. We also, you know, finance companies that are just involved in distribution. And with microfinance companies that are offering, you know, their networks, their branch network, and uh, to, to distribute the products and the, and the service to the clients, but also participate in the financing as well of these products. So that's the main mandate of the of CIMA today. We have uh, raised the fund last year. We have already deployed close to three-fourths of the capital that was raised in the first closing. We're now engaging in a second closing with uh, uh, several investors. Maybe to, to say a, a word about the investors, so they're fairly diversified in terms of uh, type of investors. We have pension funds, insurance companies, uh, family offices, foundations, high net worth individuals as well, and some uh, impact investors that have been in financing the space for a while. The goal was to find you know, the right design for the funds, the, the right structure, which is a tranche structure. It very much resembles a CDO in order to attract differently motivated investors with, di- with different risk return profile. They are the categories I mentioned earlier. The first close was $42 million, and now we are targeting $75 to $80 million with the second closing as well. And we're engaged in the second closing already with uh, AXA and BIO as two encore investors for the second close. First closing investors were FMO, MetLife, uh, Church Pension Group. These were the, the principal investors. But really the target is individualized access to energy solutions. So at this stage, we're not looking at mini grids or micro grids. Uh, basically, we are contemplating a few rooftop solar eventually activities, but we haven't done a transaction yet, right? So it's really Pico Solar and Solar Home Systems mainly. What is the what makes off-grid solar a good investment opportunity today? Well, you know, I think there we should go back to the you know demand-driven or need-driven right uh, concept. With 1.2 billion dollar uh, million uh, 1.2 billion people not having access to electricity and energy. There is, you know, uh, the demand then or need, then you need to create the demand and you need to generate affordability for it. Off-grid solar, you know, these individual access solutions, they are made affordable to the clients, to the people for several reasons. I mean, the price of solar panel has gone down tremendously over time. The batteries, battery prices have gone down and are more and more efficient. There are several batteries now, you know, that have a life of five to seven years. And with the financing, I mean, basically with the debt financing that a fund like CIMA can offer and many other uh, participants in the market, we are able to basically uh, uh, tranche, you know, the, the pricing over time for clients to, to allow them to pay by installments on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Products that range, you know, from $150 uh, for the solar home systems up to uh, $1,500 to $3,000 for the larger one that can also uh, help, you know, powering some tools uh, for productive use. So, so you have a, basically a demand-driven product, and you have also an affordability that is made possible for the target clients, low-income and lower-middle-income, you know, to afford these products. Affordability is definitely a key element, right, when you, you think of emerging markets. So the, it, it, it is a good investment today because there's a need for it, there's a demand for it. It's affordable. Cli- clients I and mean, people can buy it, they can access the product and the service. 
right? And as a result, we can generate sustainable business models that are profitable, that are growing fast, and that are very attractive for investors also. So through this type of uh, sector investment, we achieve, you know, our goal of economic return and impact uh, and access you know, to a, a product, an essential product for the target population. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? And it leads me into some of the questions that came through from, from participants. And let's go through some of these. The, the key question from entrepreneurs was, how do you invest and what do you require from entrepreneurs? If you were to make this very concrete, let people know how you work and, and what they need to prepare for you, could you describe that fairly succinct way? Yeah, of course. I mean, first of all, you know, it's, it's important to, to create, I mean, to have a business model that makes sense. A business model, you know, that can be sustainable over time and something that also has been tested, right? I mean, uh, for us, at least. What happens is that we, we find ourselves, or at least with that very specific mandate, at uh, dealing with companies that are already at a stage of maturity, you know, having passed, let's say, several series, you know, A, B, C series in equity, and that are already uh, have you know several years of uh, financials behind them, and uh, have piloted uh, a product, uh, you know, business model that is fairly tested today. Even if some of the companies are not yet fully profitable, but they're close to break even or close to profitability. I say that because uh, you know the, the the venture world, the pure venture debt world or venture equity world, right? Versus you know, the, the, the maturities of the companies we target and the way fund managers operate is very distinct in terms of the analysis that is being conducted, you know, the requirements, etc. But nonetheless, it's very important for us, you know, when we get in touch with an entrepreneur to first receive a teaser that is, you know, just a few pages long uh, where we understand what the business is all about what is, uh, you know, the team behind, you know, and how is it composed, basically. The team, you know, is a, is a key element uh, of success in a business, people. Abilities to achieve, you know, on a vision, a mission, or a business plan, just generally speaking. Uh, we want to have a sense of a track record. Uh, we want to have a sense of the business model, if they have piloted already a project. What are the results behind it? Is it profitable? Is it sustainable? Can it be re replicable? Can it grow fast? And then do we believe that it can sustain debt capital, being you know, a debt manager today, at least with that very specific mandate? Mm -hmm. and so, so these are the, the key elements you know, that basically we want to see in a teaser, just to understand on our end you know, if we can contemplate you know, engaging further with uh, the entrepreneur and the, the business. Once you know that the stage is, uh, let's say, completed, then we want to receive, of course, more information that we would analyze basically from our offices. So financial statements, some uh, specifications about the product and services they offer, some business plans, you know, where the strategy is further defined, the market is further defined as well, projections also, and all, you know, basically uh, operational elements that are important for us to assess basically uh, the investability of, uh, of the organization. And if, you know, this is satisfactory as well for us, then we want to have a further on the ground, you know, operational due diligence to really uh, engage with the entrepreneur, with the, the businesses, 
and all of the uh, participants of the business, all the stakeholders, so from the shareholders, the directors, the managers, the clients as well, the middle managers, just, you know, the, 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 the employees and assess, you know, the, the viability, sustainability before we make an investment decision. So that's more or less, you know, in trying to summarize in one minute the, the, the process, right? But most fund managers would work with the same approach at the end of the day. But the first step, you know, of having the right, you know, teaser and approach and maybe having tested already your model before you engage with an investor, I would say is essential just to make sure that you are not engaging too soon as well, that, uh, and that you have the right, uh, you know, uh, summarized basically documentation to engage with an investor, which would have very little time, uh, not us specifically, but most fund managers would be approached, you know, by potential investment opportunities, at least, uh, let's say, five to ten times a week of new, you know, uh, uh, participants in the market that are requesting or requiring funding. And not all of them are ready, unfortunately. And some of the teasers are discarded, you know, or, or some of these companies are discarded very early on, even if because of lack of uh, preparation sometimes. Even if, you know, they could uh, be very successful and it's a missed opportunity for them and for the fund manager uh, as a result. Right. And I think that also probably goes a long way to the entrepreneur knowing what the investor is looking for. So understanding very well the scope of its investment and you know, whether or not this is appropriate, it is appropriate to approach them as well. I think this this covers also one of the questions that said, you know, what are the keywords to succeeding? You've mentioned some of the key key aspects. Let me ask you something that, you know, I haven't seen in participants' questions, but what is the geographic scope and and would you expect the same kinds of information from a business, say, registered and operating in sub-Saharan Africa as you would from a business registered and operating in, let's say, Europe or, or North America? I would say that yes is a short answer. And at the same time, no. I mean, uh, yes, you know, to the extent that the business plan, the teaser, you know, the business model needs to be presented in uh, as professional, right, or as in-depth manner, uh, independently of the geographic uh, a uh, context no, in which you operate. Of course, in several markets, access to information and data is not uh, always easy. But, uh, you know, surprisingly, by the way, access to private equity data in Switzerland is almost impossible to, 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 to get access to. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's very difficult, right? So um, yeah, I, I'm saying this because, you know, one could believe that uh, you access data and information more easily in some markets than in others. But depending what you look into or the sectors, it's easier to get information about microfinance in Pakistan than it is to access uh, P data in Switzerland uh, for that That's matter. But, but yet in terms of prof- professional, you know, presentation, format and content, it should be prepared, you know, pretty much the same way independently of the geographies. Demonstrating that you understand and you you know your business model well and why it's going to be successful is really the key concept. Mm-hmm. What is the ticket size? Well, with the current fund that we manage, we look at the ticket from one hundred thousand dollars really up to seven point five million dollars. So most of the tickets are actually around four to five million dollars. 
and above, but we have uh, uh, basically a guarantee from an organization uh, based out of Africa that is backed by development financial institutions mm -hmm. that allow us as well to work with smaller distributors that operate, you know, in um, early stage markets in Africa for the distribution of uh, solar-owned systems. And we are engaging currently with uh, two opportunities at $100,000 levels, for example. Okay, that makes sense. Thank you for that. Now, here are two questions about partnering. One is one came through before the session. Are you open to partner with technology providers supplying off-grid air-to-water generator? And then the other one has just come through online, and it talks about whether you are available to connect manufacturers of off-grid products with businesses that you've already invested in in order to explore opportunities to improve product offering. So maybe just let's, let's just focus on these two. Yes, of course. I mean, to the first one, unfortunately not. I mean, what I, I mean from what I, uh, I see in the question, I mean, at least, at least the way I read it now, supplying okay. off-grid air-to-water generators. So uh, air-to-water, I mean, uh, so we're really looking at off-grid solar on our end, right? And as I indicated, uh, access to energy via, via individualized uh, solutions, you know, because solar, solar home systems mainly. Now, this being said, we also are engaging with uh, off-grid solar products that uh, are being used, you know, in the space of uh, agriculture, right? Uh, for irrigation purpose, for example. So anything that is powered by solar, right? Potentially could be considered. If it's hydro, you know, wind or anything else, that's not the scope of the current fund. I'm not saying we would not engage, you know, further down the line in uh, basically a mandate or trying to design the fund around the concept of off-grid energy independently of the source of power, but it's currently not the case. Relating to the second question, that's a good one. Yes, actually, we are basically already linking up several manufacturing companies of solar home systems, uh, pico-solar lamps, even batteries and solar PVs with distributors and other participants in the industry. We also engage in freeway financing with uh, uh, manufacturing companies, distributors, and the fund. So that is definitely something that we're engaged in. And we feel that this is a factor that has been originally very much vertically integrated, where the only participants in the sector were companies that designed, you know, manufactured and distributed their products and financed them as well. So if you think about it, you know, it's like almost four businesses or four business models embedded into one. And there is a vertical disintegration that is happening slowly, but facilitating it because we believe that specialized business models and businesses can be more profitable. And uh, we can also, you know, through that mechanism, further the outreach and the growth of the sector, allowing, you know, more uh, participants engaging in early stage markets as well, mm -hmm. which you cannot do if you're only vertically integrated, right? So right. we are uh, supporting that uh, movement, that wave, both through financing and linkages. So yes, we, we will do that. So well, that's, um, that's a question that came from Christopher Johnson of ifpeople.net. Now, here's another one from Benjamin Galazzo. This is Vertec Capital based in Asia. So 
Are you exploring opportunities to finance blockchain-based solar microgrids? I think you covered that microgrids was not in the scope of SEMA, but it's interesting. Are you looking at blockchain-based solutions? We have not yet looked at blockchain-based solution at all. I have myself looked at blockchain through uh, other models that were linked to uh, money providers, mobile money providers, actually, in Africa several years ago, but not you know anything related with energy yet. Microgrid is not the core mandate of the funds, so we could do it on an exceptional basis. What we know of microgrid so far and mini-grids as well is that the financing requirements in terms of maturity are much longer than what the fund can currently offer. Uh, we cannot go post-2021, October 2021. And uh, in most cases, micro and mini-grids have required financing you know, in order to be sustainable that is closer to five years. Mm-hmm. So uh, very happy to look, you know, uh, further into the detail of that, of course, no, and to, uh, of course, to be contradicted, no, and uh, <laughs> we are always happy to be wrong, no. Uh, it demonstrates that, you know, things are evolving, the sector is evolving in new directions, and uh, that technology or, you know, several elements are allowing maybe to shortcut, you know, the, the time to profitability of different models. So so happy to, to look into it, definitely, but. I have to say that that wouldn't be a priority for the fund today, now on Monday, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, not something we would discard from the get-go. Sounds good. Just looking at the questions we had received previously, there was one about pay-as-you-go. I think you covered that this is pretty much within the scope. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? particular to pay as you go, to pay go off-grid projects? So PayGo, I mean, uh, is definitely at the core of the mandate of the fund, right? Mm-hmm. Or if you'd like, I mean, to start with the concept of, of course, uh, extending financing you know, to clients in order to create the concept of affordability for products, right? Then PayGo, which is also, which embeds also the concept of service, right? And uh, Paying uh, on a usage basis is definitely something that uh, we are very much involved with because many of grid solar companies have implemented or are implementing PEGO solutions. They all have their unique, you know, uh, specificities when it comes to PEGO and the way the programs are designed, but more or less uh, it's well understood now. And uh, I actually believe, and we, we do believe at SEMA, that PAYGO can be implemented for several others, you know, products and services. There are, you know, software as well that has been developed for the purpose of monitoring the portfolios of PAYGO of grid solar, you know, uh, products that can be used, right, with the concept of geolocalization to finance and to engage in micro-leasing on, of many diff- different other products. And my guess would be that PAYGO is replicated, you know, in, in many different areas going forward, independently of uh, energy. So thank you for that one. And here's the last one that came from Govinda at LED Safari. It pretty much says, do you engage in capacity building? And, and it particularly refers to how difficult it is to actually get a team together and train a team together. So would you say a few words about capacity building and any kind of work that you do with companies in that respect? And uh, let's make that our last question. 
unfortunately, I know there are many others and we could, we could uh, discuss for longer. Perhaps in the future, we need to reconsider how long these sessions are. But let's focus on that as, as the last question, if that's all right with you. So what we currently are doing, I mean, when it comes to capacity building, I have to say is not very extent, right? I mean, we are, we are getting technical assistance in order to work with third-party, you know, very specific providers to cater to the needs, operational needs, you know, that could be uh, uh, related to software, to uh, um, loan uh, portfolio monitoring, or, or many other, you know, operational elements. But we tend, if you'd like to outsource capacity building to specialized firms that have a unique expertise in one very specific, you know, item of operation uh, in order for the target companies to get the best possible service. When it comes to capacity building that we offer, what we mainly look into is, uh, you know, financial structuring. It's, uh, you know, good use of uh, uh, capital overall, right, and anything that relates to financial statements, because we often, you know, receive or we have received business plans that, uh, or even financial statements that uh, were not fully, if you'd like, uh, uh, comprehensible. Uh, so we, we we provided some help in some cases uh, to entrepreneurs, but that's not something that we like to be doing. Nonetheless, we provide advisory work on the side as you know. And we have engaged, you know, with companies to revise their business plan, provide, you know, support in terms of business plan drafting as well. But this is in exchange for a fee. It's not something that we do, you know, as part of our fund mandate. Well, thank you so much for clarifying all these things. I feel that the discussion is just getting going, but I do appreciate taking a bit of time of your very busy week to answer the entrepreneur's questions. Thank you all for, for joining and asking questions. And if you do have other questions that were unanswered, we will make note of these and somehow try to address them. If you are interested in becoming visible to investors and eventually for Xavier to take a look at your business, if it matches the scope of SEMA funds, do sign up to the groundupproject.net. There's a free value compass score. You can do your self-assessment in terms of investment readiness. We do also offer, if you would like to be verified by the team of the Ground Up Project, and there is the contact here, info at groundupproject.net. You can write to us, and that, in many cases, increases the, the chance of being contacted by investors because we would actually do the work of, of checking your documentation first. And finally, if you need any assistance in preparing your fundraising, in many of the issues that were raised today or are raised generally with your teasers or financials and so on, the investment clinic can help you with a range of experts to get the, the lay of the land correctly set so that you can increase your chances of, of uh, contacting the, the investor. Xavier, once again, thank you so much for taking the time today. No, thank you, Brindusa. I'm, I'm very uh, happy to participate and the Ground Up Project is a uh, I think uh, highly necessary, right, in order to, to make sure that more companies get access to, to funding and impact investing. And maybe just towards, you know, from us as a fund manager to entrepreneurs, we're also, you know, in the same, if you'd like, a similar situation. We are also seeking always for, to raise money from larger investors uh, that can be channeled to your companies. So we very much, you know, go for the same 
I would say, uh, roller coaster, you know, when it comes to fundraising. Um, so don't worry if an investor says no once, you know, you can always go back. It's not because, for example, at CIMA, we would not consider a project today that we would not be happy to reconsider six months, uh, 12 months or two years from now as well. Because uh, investors' mandate constantly evolves and because your companies will also grow as well, making it possible not to reconnect. So it's always good to keep in touch, uh, I should say, and to, uh, to, to, to maintain yeah, the, the relationship. That's great. Thank you so much for that approach and for your openness. Thank you all. Have a great day wherever you are. For more insights from impact investors, visit www.theinvestmentclinic.com.